0: All right, welcome to another edition of Host and Guest. Today we're joined by one of our most cherished guests, uh, Tom Fuchs. Often requested to have you back on the program, so I'm glad we were able to coordinate our schedules and and do this thing. Yeah, stop stop sending us those harassing voicemails and emails. Finally. Well, I I just appreciate you taking the time to be on hosting. Specifically, Host and
1: Guest. you stop harassing me with voicemails and emails, right?
0: Now, uh, Tom, you are a DVD reviewer for Chud.com. You've been quoted in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. <laughs> I have. So you are the go-to film guy in the host and guest universe. Yeah, you can't
1: get any more luminaries like Dwayne Dudek of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel.
0: No, and I, I decided to pass on uh, such guests as Joe Dante <laughs> because they're, they're too close to it, I thought.
1: <laughs> they don't have the perspective. And the uh, wasted four year degree
0: in film <laughs> studies. So we've got the big Oscars coming up. I know you watch every year. <laughs> and uh and instead of going category by category, who do you think's gonna win? Who do you think's gonna win? We're gonna do it a little differently. You've you've selected some of your favorite films from the past year, and uh it's well, very like... complicated <laughs> how you set this up. It's a
1: little like saber matrix. Okay. Uh it's in no way like sabermetrics.
0: It's it's it's
1: film sabermetrics.
0: Filmbermetrics.
1: Uh All I did was uh, the Oscars kind of are boring, as you know, as someone who's watched them. It's your opinion, not mine. <laughs> I think they're boring. So what I did is I tried to pick some movies here that are a little more under the radar, and my uh, basis for choosing them was I took the. Uh, gross of avatar's first day of being in theaters and all the movies i selected save one uh made less than that the entire time that they were in theaters than avatar did in just the first day that it was open
0: what uh what prompted this i don't r- I, I really don't <laughs> fucking like avatar at all uh why why not why not why don't you? Why don't you touch on why you don't like Avatar before and it's we not, go into? Yeah, well,
1: I, I I think I've become more strongly against it the more it's uh, been pushed as like this amazing leap forward. Because mm-hmm. a, I don't really feel that so strongly. I thought that the special effects were really great, but I don't feel that they were like this. Holy shit! I thought I was in another world for two and a half hours. <laughs> You, I know you did feel that way about Final
0: Fantasy, The Spirits Within.
1: Uh, I do believe I own it if you check my DVD collection. <laughs> I feel pretty strongly. Uh, Avatar I, I thought it was kind of boring, too. And mm-hmm. uh, Sam Worthington is uh, Chris O'Donnell. Evolutionary Chris O'Donnell is what I refer to Sam Worthington as. So at you... all of my uh, dinner get-togethers <laughs> where people invite me to make pithy comments.
0: I've also heard you call him Sam Worthless and we we've watched like almost everything
1: James Cameron has made recently in the last few weeks mm-hmm. me and my fiance uh he used to he's never she been, was also <laughs>
0: mentioned in the channel Sentinel. yes
1: <laughs> she's also been sourced <laughs> he used to he never was good at writing dialogue which i mean is apparent if you've ever watched one of his movies but he at least understood how to like keep the plot moving pretty mm-hmm. propulsively if you watch the terminator um that movie like is doing any exposition is being done in like chase scenes so it's not like you're not noticing that you're stopping the movie to explain the plot mm-hmm. unlike say giovanni Rabisi <laughs> showing up with his paperweight unobtanium, the really rare item that is so rare that he uses it as a floating paperweight in his office i just thought that the movie uh I didn't feel like I got to know any of the characters very well, and the movie was endlessly long, so I don't understand how they didn't do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think a lot of it can be attributed to uh, the void of emotion that is Sam Worthington. <laughs> <laughs> the best performance from him was of the atrophied fake legs that they had attached to the wheelchair where he sat like in the seat with his legs underneath. <laughs> I didn't really like any of the performances. I thought Sigourney Weaver was pretty terrible in that movie. The only good performance was the Zoe Saldana as the.
0: What What about the guy who was in uh, Grandma's Boy, the the uh, kind of oh, d- lanky nerdy? look? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I'm the... <laughs>
1: I didn't mind him. I didn't really care. Did he die in the movie? I don't remember.
0: No. Uh, oh yeah, he's one of
1: the survivors.
0: Yeah, I should uh, I should note that there are spoilers in this. Sigourney Weaver dies. <laughs> <laughs> Boom.
1: <laughs> And she gets absorbed into a tree.
0: Boom! <laughs> Nerds. Well, now that uh, now that you've you've uh, delved into your dislike of Avatar, I did, however, like the giant sword that the guy
1: had in the robot suit. I love that he had for some reason uh, a made-to-scale <laughs> like Bowie knife for a robot suit. No real reason for that to exist. <laughs> I like, I, I maybe saying I hate the movies too harsh, but I literally saw at least 30, 30, 35 movies I thought were better sure. than Avatar. It's, it's
0: undeserving of the amount of success. Plus,
1: well, you know. And praise. I, and it's also, it's kind of like that bullshit, uh, this is the most successful movie ever made thing where, like, you really do have to adjust for inflation. Where, like, even if you think about the fact that Avatar is charging $5 more per ticket than just about any other movie currently showing, and nobody seems to mention this as a reason why maybe it's making so much money Mm -hmm. so fast. I don't really, like, I don't think 3D is a big deal either. It's still a gimmick as far as I'm concerned. He didn't change the game with his 3D. I thought it was used better in Coraline. Fuck you, Jim Cameron. I just,
0: I, uh, I, I would say that the film without 3D... It doesn't be, hold yeah. up, yeah.
1: and uh, But I also feel that with 3D, it makes it merely tolerable. Uh, but like I said, I thought Coraline actually used 3D as a plot device and a way of like drawing things to-, to your attention on screen better. I mean, 3D, they're trying to use it in a way that's not like, oh, the yo-yo and House <laughs> of Wax or the... Uh,
0: or what? What's the one in uh, Friday the Thirteenth Three D? The baseball bat where they they're playing baseball. Or no, he's a juggler. He's a he's a juggler in there. Just all these crazy shitty things. So it's coming <laughs> at you in the screen. M- my favorite thing from Friday the Thirteenth in Three D is when there are kids playing baseball <laughs> randomly in the street, and so the baseball bat is jutting out. So now that we've covered uh, that film, that uh, <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth Three D. Yeah, let's let's delve into your list. Let's kick it off <laughs> with Big Fan, which made. Uh two hundred <laughs> and thirty three thousand dollars and nine hundred and eight in addition to that 233000 dollars.
1: <laughs> to be clear, how much was that? That would be two hundred
0: and thirty three thousand nine hundred and eight dollars. Nice. So well,
1: I, you know, it's got Pan Oswald. It's uh, the first movie directed by the writer of the wrestler and former Onion head writer. Mm-hmm. Uh what's his face? Bobby. Robert
0: Schimmel? Uh, uh, Bobby Hull (laughs) famous hockey player first director Spiegel Robert Spiegel (laughs) (laughs) you're our expert on films we appreciate having you on host and guest what'd you love about uh, Big Uh, Fan
1: I I thought like it was a fantastic performance from Patton Oswalt in that movie and I mean he's kind of there carrying the entire thing Uh, there's also a great little bit of business from Michael Rappaport I feel like that movie really captures the kind of, uh, and I say this with love as I'm someone who you can attest to having just watched me play video games for an hour and a half, someone who has a, a sort of sick, sick level of obsession with sports. It kind of captures the sadness crossed with hope. I like, I think the ending of that movie, and I'm not going to spoil it. I think that perfectly encapsulates the Patton Oswald character and kind of the, uh, Constantly put upon sports fan
0: of a, a franchise that sucks. Now I enjoyed the movie, and I've discussed this with you. There is a gaffe in the <laughs> film, and uh, it's an unnecessary plot point. But the uh, the climactic out, game out, <laughs> is uh, is a Week Seventeen game between the Eagles and the Giants, and uh, it's a Monday Night Football game. But the thing is, there is no Monday Night Football. Week, um, 17 week
1: 17 really bothers me. I didn't notice it until you pointed it out. That so.
0: that should show how much of an yeah. obsessive sports fan I am that uh, something like that would really the other, irk me. The other thing I like
1: about that movie is it's a movie where uh, you have this sick feeling in your stomach that it's leading to this destination. And then when it finally reaches where it does reach, you realize it couldn't have gone anywhere but where it did. Mm-hmm. It's, and I, again, I'm not going to spoil the movie. Although Sigourney Weaver does die in Big Fan and then gets absorbed into a tree. Uh, but uh, Patton Oswalt, uh, the character does something that it's really you assume it's the only thing that his character knowing him for the entire movie would have done in that situation. Yeah. And, and you think to yourself, oh, yeah, this guy is this guy is va- pretty much pathetic. <laughs>
0: Now uh, the next film on the list is a town called Panic. Oh, yeah. And that made a hundred and five thousand four hundred and fifty-eight dollars. <laughs> we are. I guess we're sticking with this money. <laughs> Go for it. You know, I always
1: cover the dollar figures. You've always been doing those weekly box office reports in lieu of host and guest. Uh, that movie is actually still being rolled out, so it could it could bump all the way up to maybe a hundred and fifty thousand dollars by the end of it. It's a Belgian stop motion animated movie. Uh, This year was kind of freakishly strong for kids' movies. Well, ostensibly kids' movies, like with Up, which I didn't put on this list because A, it made a ton of money, and B, what can you say about a movie that's just really good Mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of expertly made? But you have, like, Up, you have another movie we'll talk about later on. We have uh, Where the Wild Things Are. I just think that it was just a really freakishly strong year for kids' movies, and this one might have even been possibly the best of all of them. Uh, it's got this crazy, relentless, like, uh, surreal energy where th- these events just keep kind of building atop each other, and you don't even, like, it doesn't, you don't understand how you got to the end of the movie when you get there, but you got a uh, cowboy, Indian, and horse who live together, and they're, like, those old, they have, like, the thick plastic base toys. Mm-hmm. So they kind of do like a hobbled left left right wobble walk when they move. It's just about the wacky adventures they get into living together. uh there's undersea creatures uh there is a neighbor who leaps through a mug of coffee to drink it. There's just a lot of fantastic things. It's hard to explain without seeing it right, but this movie has like the most energy out of anything I saw from
0: last year. Now, uh, the next film on your list is The White Ribbon that made $1,490,471. Another wacky stop-motion animation movie. Really? I, uh, I've, I've no, never no, it's, heard it's, of this film. It's
1: actually it's Michael Haneke's black oh and white movie. <laughs> um, it's actually beautiful, that movie. Uh, kind of horrible and beautiful like his movies can be, although I think this might be his best-looking movie I've ever seen him make. Um, I'm 95% sure it'll win the Best Picture of Oscar for Best Foreign Language Movie this year. Um, like, as an examination of, like, the kind of, uh, mistrust and violent, how, like, random acts of violence can, like, plant the seed for, uh, mistrust in communities. It kind of just tries to explain how Ali Taneke, I think sees how, like, the World War II generation in Germany could have come about. Sure. Even though this movie is, like, pre-World War I. It's kind of just trying to explain, like, how the seeds could be sown for people to be mistrustful of each other and how they can start persecuting one another based on that mistrust. I'm really making it sound like just a really fun...
0: Well, his films are time. always
1: uh, full of joy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just as relentlessly energetic as a town called
0: panic... <laughs> I mean, inventive. <laughs> wacky. So it, to me, it sounds a little bit like a town called Panic, but the Panic is uh, legit. Panic
1: on the streets of London. It's in Germany, so that there's a lot. There's of, no reason. There's to talk a about lot of Smiths, Smith's music it. throughout it. Uh-huh. Shyness is, is nice. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it there it is sweet. At times, which is a weird thing to say, but there are there is like a heart to this movie where sometimes his other movies might lack it. It might, I mean, they really feel kind of clinical. Uh, we've talked about
0: funny games, before. right? That was on the hit uh, episode that we did last year.
1: I think wasn't it uh, the actually
0: the other the remake of it, wasn't it?
1: Last year? we did we did talk about it, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh... I I do my homework. <laughs> Listen to your podcast a few hundred times after you record each one. That's what I've been doing for the past two and a half months. Standing naked in a mirror and just listening listening to myself.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so Haneke, (laughs) good movie you made there. Next on the list is Two Lovers that made (laughs) $3,149,034.
1: Gotta include those 34 bucks. It. I mean, you can round if you want. I just wrote those down because uh, I do my homework, too. Okay. I respect your fucking podcast. Too much.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Next time, I'm just going to write it in mustard <laughs> on my on a white t-shirt. Uh, two lovers. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix. It's the last movie you made before whatever. Before that publicity stunt slash whatever the fuck. Right, I remember him going on Letterman to
0: to promote this film uh, last year. And that was, I I mean, I think it was overshadowed
1: by the fact that he did whatever. He was either actually strung out or pretending to be strung out and has subsequently disappeared (laughs) from planet Earth. (laughs) From But lost in that kind of shitskrieg of publicity about him losing his mind was that he actually made a a really nice movie. It's kind of just, you know... It's made by James Gray, who doesn't normally make, like, a movie like What this. else is James Gray? He did, Gray like, um, the with uh, Mark Wahlberg, like, The Yards, I want to say. And then he did We Own the Night with Duvall in Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> uh, so he's basically done, like, cop gritty, uh, gritty kind of stuff yeah. before this. But this is kind of just, like, uh, a relationship drama, a love triangle. If you will. <laughs> have you heard of this term before? Love triangle? <laughs> I've heard it. So at the top you got uh, Joaquin, and then the the base of the triangle would be Gwyneth Paltrow, who's really tolerable in this movie. Um, I don't normally really care. Although I did like her in Iron Man, so I take it back. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Paltrow family, for any undue pain I may have caused you. But I, I really liked her in this and the, uh, the other actress. I can't remember her name, but she's good. She's good as well? She's good as well. <laughs> she she also directed Big Fan. Bobby something. Something Schimmel, <laughs> Spiegel. Bobby Schimmelman, I believe her name is. She's a post-op transsexual uh, <laughs> director
0: slash actress. Did she go to the, through the UWM film department? Uh, no. <laughs> Uh the next uh the next film on the list is Anvil which made uh just shy of $668,000. Have you seen this? Yes, right, you've yes seen
1: I have. Anvil. An- Anvil might have been in like my top 3 or 4 movies of the year. It's a documentary about a Canadian heavy metal band named Anvil and their uh, travails, the pitfalls of them coming out around the time when heavy metal like was like in its prime. Mhm. Like, I mean, I don't mean, like, uh, heavy metal sucks now. I don't know enough about it ever to make any sort of comment of that nature. But back when it was, like, hitting its biggest point of, like, right uh, what, public consciousness.
0: When it was, it was there was pop music and yeah. there was heavy metal.
1: And, like, right around the time when you had, like, your Megadeths and your Metallicas and your Hoobastanks. <laughs> I think it was before
0: Hoobastank. <laughs>
1: We'll have to agree <laughs> to disagree on that one. But uh you know, they came out at the same time and they and if you listen to the music it's competent. I mean mm-hmm. it's it's good. It's enjoyable heavy metal music for whatever reason they just never made it back then, but they've stayed together. And it's kinda just the the like the heart of the movie is the relationship between uh lips and I uh, forget the other and the drummer. <laughs> and Bobby Bobby, <laughs>
0: Bobby uh Bobby Shimmelman. Bobby
1: Shimmelman. Yeah. <laughs> the drummer Bobby Shimmelman. Um and just how like they have this love-hate relationship where they clearly love each other very much, but the lack of success for the band and the constant, like, they're going on, like, world tours during this documentary that don't turn out so great. Yeah. Uh, poorly managed. And just how, like, their love of the music and each other is pulling them through what has been a multiple decades-long fallow <laughs> period for their band. And
0: it, 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 was, it was kind of promoted... uh almost as if it's a mockumentary for people to laugh at. It's
1: it's not, I I don't feel. Well, the drummer's name is Rob Reiner. That's, oh,
0: now you got it. (laughs) Now you're back in the game. (laughs) Hey.
1: But, uh, you know, they have all these, like, they embrace the fact that the movie has all these parallels to Spinal Spinal Tap. Tap, Like, this band feels like a real life sort of Spinal Tap. So I, d- I think they were promoting it that way, and clearly it worked based on the $670,000 this movie grossed. Uh, $667,000. Well, nearly six seventy, <laughs> But, I mean, if if you watch the movie and now afterwards Anvil has actually gone on to have some measure of success due in part to the movie. Right. I mean, it's, it's probably the most heartwarming movie of the year, other than maybe The White Ribbon. Or uh, I'm trying to think of another heartwarming movie. The Blind Side. Uh, I thought you were gonna say Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> antichrist. Now, uh, next. I didn't th- put that one on there. Would you like to talk about Antichrist? Sure.
0: Let's talk about Antichrist. I don't. Uh, before we talk about it, I don't know how much money it made.
1: <laughs> Me either. Uh, so Let's it, c- it could be breaking <laughs> twenty-six there's, there's million. There's absolutely no way twenty-six million people paid to see Willem Dafoe ejaculate blood. You have my word spoilers <laughs> that was an avatar spoiler by the way <laughs> it's uh, great in 3d <laughs> you've not you haven't lived until you've seen willem defoe's malnourished blue alien penis ejaculate <laughs> neon just blood <laughs> so uh so antichrist <laughs> uh i should have put that on this list actually i really like it's a. Uh, kind of a confounding movie. It won a misogyny award at the Cannes Film Festival and also the best actress award at the <laughs> Cannes Film Festival. And it makes complete sense that that happened if you see it because you don't really know at the end if he's like it feels like he's making points and then refuting them throughout you, the movie. Lars von Trier yeah. is doing this. And you know he's he's a provocateur, if you will. He's like a even more like just He's got, like, a sort of a, fuck you. He's like the Ron Artest to uh, uh, Haneke's Dennis Rodman. Does that make sense? Sure. I I was thinking Tyler Hansborough. <laughs> <laughs> Hansborough has been known to punch people in the face in the stands. But Von Trier can kind of just be, you know, uh, actively trying to provoke a response, and I definitely think he's doing that in this movie. But uh, it's one of the most beautiful movies of the year. Uh, as a person who avoids nature at any cost <laughs> and stays inside with the shades drawn, and watching the Antichrist. Off, <laughs> playing video games, <laughs> the full twelve minute quarters of NBA basketball. <laughs> um, there's some just stunning shots of nature where, like, the movie is kind of the the tagline. I think is uh, nature is it, nature is Satan's playground. Was it was that it,
0: fiance. <laughs> In Our fact checker. <laughs> you're the Tony Reale of this <laughs> podcast. She's still working on the name of the director of Big Fan. This we'll get a there. Really slow. Robert Spiegel. I think I said that. Did we say Robert
1: Spiegel? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did. Let's stick with Bobby Schimmelman for now. We'll fact check this. We'll fact check this at part two. But I it does have amazing performances. And by the end of it, you're not really sure if the movie is suggesting that women are the root of all evil. Or not, or if it's suggesting the opposite of that, um it's fascinating and if you can tolerate uh some pretty massive amounts of genital mutilation, I would highly recommend it uh and I know i know I've done the research i've I've hired like the web groups to see who watches listens to your podcast and watches the flash animations that you make that accompany them. uh they love genital mutilation oh okay, something to uh play up. You might want to maybe uh, crush your dick in an upcoming
0: podcast. Up next on the uh, <laughs> on your list is a, a film called Not Quite Hollywood, which banked an astonishing twenty one thousand uh, dollars, and uh, <laughs> and, change. Uh, and change. Let's call it and change. Yeah,
1: um, it's a documentary about Australian exploitation movies. Um, exploitation movies can kind of be boring. Sometimes it can be like a lot of waiting around boring stuff to get to these amazing sequences of like either just crazy inspiration or amazing kind of balls to the wall action where like there clearly there's a risk of everyone dying who's performing these stunts um, and this movie kind of collects all those awesome scenes and puts them in their movie and it's kind of just showing you all these different movies like your Netflix, if you have Netflix. I'm not assuming anything. Again, I've got Netflix. I've done the research, though. I, I your, have three out at a time. Your your pod your podcast audience is pod, my, my pod, podcast. Your podcast. <laughs> uh, they're generally poor. Usually listening to this out of Circuit City <laughs> <laughs> or a Best Buy. Hey, can I uh, use your internet
0: for a minute? I want to <laughs> I, I listen to this podcast. Yeah.
1: Oh, what the hell movie were we talking about? We're
0: talking about not quite Hollywood.
1: Oh, okay. Well, you know, clearly Tarantino's in there, as in he will be in anything that's like about encyclopedic knowledge of uh, exploitation movies, <laughs> any kind of weird movies, you know, he's going to be interviewed, and he always has the same, like, fevered, cocaine-addled amount of enthusiasm right. about them. But they have a lot of, like, the producers, directors, and actors from those movies, too. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's a it's it's absolute blast, um, and... To get back to the Netflix comment, your list will expand exponentially after you watch this movie because you'll want to see all these movies like Dead End Drive-In or the crazy one that kind of is like Antichrist where they go into nature and they're just kind of like fucking around with animals and then nature turns on them. (laughs) That movie looks amazing. There's one called Patrick where the guy's in the coma.
0: Yeah. And uh, Mad Max. You may have heard of that
1: one. (laughs)
0: Uh, up next is a film that comes just under, uh, I always want to call it Avatar, but it's Avatar's numbers. It's Observe and Report, which did a little over $26 million. Yeah, just to be clear, though, that's the
1: one day, the first day Avatar was open.
0: <laughs> oh. Snap.
1: Observe and Report is uh, the second movie from Jody Hill who made The Foot Fist Way, which I know both you and I were pretty big fans of. We saw it together. We did. We made the trek. We drove literally 55 minutes. With our fact checker. (laughs) With Tony Reale, seems in. He has this style all his own, kind of. He he does a lot of montages in his movies, but there's kind of just this kind of... uh, He has an editing style. It's hard to describe. The editing is just kind of rough around the edges, I guess I would say. Mm -hmm. And... um, the movie is great because there's there was like you don't usually see this with comedies and this is pretty black as far as black comedies yeah. go. But there is like a pretty healthy debate about um the framing of the movie and whether or not this could have actually happened or if it right. was Right, is this like, a dream sequence? Or if there's like fever dreams happening in the movie and if there's a point where like reality breaks in the movie. Yeah. Uh you usually don't get that with like Zoolander, they're not arguing like <laughs> I think when Gary
0: Shandling comes into play <laughs> all of a sudden the film is uh it's
1: clearly not realistic anymore. Right. But uh Rogan is amazing in the movie I think uh playing a character who's clearly uh I mean you we've all come across frightening people <laughs> at strip malls. Me and you can, of course, attest to this. <laughs> We've been accosted by men at the very theater for we some, saw. The for, sp- for
0: some reason... not
1: uh,
0: <laughs> Whenever we're together, we seem to attract people who are unstable in some way.
1: Well, what I think it is, is they assume that we're a gay couple, and it's usually older bearded men. They're looking for they, they, uh, they, a little action. I mean, or... they think you're a twink, essentially, is what I think it is, right? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, observe and report. You gotta, you gotta see it. It's great. Anna Ferris is great in it. What the hell is his name? The other. Guy? How do
0: you feel about the? There's something that's disputed in it uh, about whether he uh, sexually assaults Anna Faris. Well, character. I feel like
1: that is supposed to be a borderline scene. Like you're not supposed to really know how you feel. I mean, it's funny. The right. scene is funny, regardless of how nauseous the like the the situation can be. Right. I mean, it's not. Because of the way the punchline of that scene works, I think it's pretty clear to me. Right, but that, some people, yeah, I mean, I didn't mean, interpret it that you know, way. Oh, there's these liberal do-gooders <laughs> with their tofu and their tote bags <laughs> and their their tote bags <laughs> filled <laughs> with tofu. Use a paper grocery bag. <laughs> you fucking liberal do-gooders. No, I mean I think that <laughs> I do think the movie is trying to kind of push buttons in that sense. Though I think it it is trying to kind of uh, straddle that line. I mean that character you're supposed to like. He's Travis Bickle esque. Yeah. You're supposed to assume he could lose it at any moment. So there's this kind of queasy courtship where she clearly doesn't like him at all until he gives her prescription meds. <laughs> um. I like. I mean, the movie's great. If you want, it's and it's got some of the best full frontal male nudity you'll see in a movie this year, outside of Avatar, and the aforementioned Defoe penis scene.
0: <laughs> now, uh, up next on the list is is actually, uh, I think, my favorite film of the year. The entire uh, year. The entire year. Adventureland, which made a little over sixteen million dollars. Yeah, I think this
1: and a couple other movies on the list kind of all got lost in the shuffle because they came out really early in the year, and that's kind of like a dead zone for award season, or even remembering that the movie existed later in the year. But Adventureland is, you know, it's from Greg uh, Matola. He made Superbad, and before that, he was gone for many years, just in the wilderness, (laughs) finding himself.
0: Before that, he made the Day Trippers. What that was like, literally, like a decade before Superbad, right? Yeah, I think it was like 95, 96, somewhere around there. So, you know, he went and found himself, grew a beard. lived amongst the animals (laughs) came back said I want to make
1: a teen sex comedy this is what I need to do but uh, Adventureland it's kind of I think it's vaguely autobiographical I would say probably pretty autobiographical
0: the DVD features indicate indicate that 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 it it is pretty pretty strongly yeah Uh,
1: you know but like that I just the way he shot it the way that it's performed like everything I think works really well all the characters are well-rounded you don't hate anybody he clearly doesn't hate anybody Whereas, like, again, let's go to Avatar, because I just want to take some fucking shots at that movie. Let's take Cameron down a peg. Okay. Get off your high horse. You look like a lesbian with your haircut, Cameron. <laughs> That's what I think. But, like, you know, <laughs> the characters there are clearly, like, you know, the Stephen Lang, the bad guy. Right. Has Every- scar. You should be twirling a mustache.
0: Everybody in Avatar is one-dimensional. Yeah,
1: they're either, like, just evil or good, whereas, like, in this movie, the Ryan Reynolds character is probably one of the more aloof, prickish characters in the movie, but you understand him, Mm -hmm. at least, and you sympathize with the fact that he's the king of this pathetic, like, kingdom where all these underage women adore him, (laughs) and he kind of, and it's sad. I mean, you feel bad for him, and you understand why he's kind of clinging to what he's clinging to. Eisenberg, Jesse Eisenberg, kind of had his breakout movies ending in land year with this in Zombieland. Uh, I think unfairly compared to Michael Sarah. I don't think Eisenberg is so much. I think they're both dry. I th- I guess they both have kind of sarcastic sensibilities in some of their line deliveries, yeah. but I feel Eisenberg has been pretty amazing in a lot of movies, <clears throat> and, and you know that I love Michael Sarah very much. But I don't think that he's, you know, a dramatic actor in the way Eisenberg is, who's right. great in Squid and the Whale. And I think really the heart of this movie is Eisenberg.
0: And a uh, fantastic soundtrack, too. Yeah,
1: and Martin Starr is amazing. You don't see Martin Starr get great
0: roles, and his character maybe sticks with me the most out of this movie. And I feel like this is almost, in some ways, uh, like Freaks and Geeks. After college, yeah, a little it's a little it's a spiri- later in the eighties. It's 80s. a
1: spiritual uh, cousin
0: to Freaks and Geeks. Now on the list <laughs> is uh Crank High Voltage, which made Crank uh, Two High Voltage. Crank too High felt Voltage, voltage did not paper. include that number. Uh, that made a little over thirteen and a half million dollars. You know, and I, I didn't necessarily like this
1: movie. But I feel it deserves mention for being batshit insane. Have you have you seen Crank 2? You've have, seen Crank 1, right? I've seen Crank 1. I made one. you watch that, I'm pretty sure, right? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> the thing that it does that a lot of sequels do is it's trying to one-up specific sequences from the first movie by being the same sequence but like more of that sequence, <laughs> which I feel is like a pitfall. that The movie can't be great because it's trying too hard to be exactly like the first one yeah. but a little more risky. Um, but it's still, it's in, like it's the craziest, like American, like a major motion picture studio released this in America, and that's insane. There's like, it's crazy, it's crazy. It's a it's a crazy movie. Um, it's the closest thing you've seen Takashi Miike movies. Yeah. I've, again, I've made you watch. The, it's the closest thing to like an American version of that, where he's just they're kind of throwing shit at the wall, and it's not gonna always stick, but some of it does. It has an amazing ending sequence. They had a couple... They did like a twin brother. And you. I know that you feel strongly about twin brothers. Uh, one, into one of my signature elements of my they writing pull, is... They pull pretty much a note for note what we would write twin brother move in this movie. With a character who died in the first movie having a twin brother. Um... But they they bring back almost every character from Crank 1, and they're, a lot of those people were pretty brutally murdered in the first one. So by the end, it reaches this amazing area where the one of the villains of the first movie comes back. Um, I'm not going to give away how he comes back, but it's one of the best reveals in the movie. And any it, the movie ends, and this isn't really a spoiler, um, with the directors essentially flipping off the audience and saying, Fuck you. Which I always enjoy. Like, I don't understand what it means, necessarily. <laughs> I paid money to watch your movie, and I'm a fan. <laughs> and I guess I'm a dick for being a fan. But it has an amazing soundtrack. It's my favorite soundtrack of the year. By Beats Mike.
0: out Adventureland?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, like, the actual, not, like, songs in the movie, but Mike Patton from uh, Faith No More did the soundtrack and it's just like it's memorable and awesome and perfectly matches the movie's sensibilities and i feel like it will be completely forgotten in years to come so i want this this will be our stand
0: we'll put this in the time capsule (laughs) put
1: it in there next to the dvd of you can't stop the music
0: (laughs) now uh next on the list is the brothers bloom which made a little over three and a half million dollars. This is another one like we were
1: talking about Adventureland, where it got released kind of early in the year and kind of got lost in the shuffle. But it's
0: and it never really had a wide release. Yeah,
1: um, <clears throat> it's the second movie from uh, the guy who Ryan did. Ryan Johnson, Ryan Johnson. I believe. I don't know how to pronounce names. It's not part of my job. I'm on the internet. I don't talk to you're people. a writer. I write shit. I don't. You don't. I don't say speak it to people. <laughs> It's his follow-up movie, to Brick, um, and it's a con man movie. And any movie that starts with kind of, have you seen The Brothers Bloom? I've seen it. Like a whimsical uh, origin story narrated by Ricky Jay is pretty much heading in the right direction. And although I do see the argument that the movie can become a little somber in its final 20 or so minutes, I feel that if you watch it a couple times, it's kind of uh, heading there. No matter. do you like that snort
0: <laughs> it's kind of heading <laughs> there
1: towards being somber or like there's there's signals of what's gonna happen at okay. the end of the movie that are laid out pretty explicitly early on that once you watch the movie again you'll pick up
0: on it's a little bit like the sixth sense in that regard
1: yeah uh sigourney weaver again dies in this movie adrian brody <laughs> sets her down in front of a tree that absorbs her consciousness and then a bunch of spiritual aliens writhe in religious ecstasy. I think that's...
0: <laughs> well, I... <laughs> I was making a six-cent uh, bit. <laughs> I just... no, a sudden... <laughs> no, no, no. Let's steamroll that. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> a little bit like the directors of Crank 2.
1: <laughs> um, but no, the Brothers Bloom, uh, before that kind of... Uh... More serious ending. Uh, it's an amazingly entertaining and breezy movie, with like awesome, remember memorable, memorable, <laughs> <laughs> copyright <laughs> Tom Fuchs, rememberable sequences. Um, the character of Bang Bang, played by Rinko Kikuchi. Yeah, Rico uh,
0: from Rinko Rico, Rink- Riku Riku, Regu. <laughs> fun. And, and
1: Bobby Schimmelman. <laughs> yes, Bobby Schimmelman Kikuchi. Um, She steals the show despite almost having no dialogue. She's almost doing it all with physical acting. But, uh, I mean, Ruffalo, who's always amazing, Mark Ruffalo, he's great in it. Adrian Brody, who can sometimes not be so great, is pretty great, mm-hmm. playing kind of the straight man in their con man relationship. But, I mean, the movie has a heart and, I mean, the heart maybe comes to the forefront a little, gets in the way of the whimsicalness, whimsicality of the uh, first three-fourths. But I feel like the movie still works overall, and it's really worth checking out.
0: Now, uh, the next one is the one that violates your rule, as uh, Drag Me to Hell made over $42 million during its run.
1: Uh, no matter how much movie money this movie made... Uh, It wouldn't have been enough for me to satisfy me because this was the most fucking crowd-pleasing movie of the year. You saw Drag Me to Hell. This movie is awesome and it deserved to be seen with a big audience reacting to it. The gentleman in front of us, when I took my fiancé, stood up and said, Oh no, during a couple of sequences. (laughs) He stood up He stood up up in the theater and said, Oh no! (laughs) Um, It's a (laughs) PG-13...
0: Where did you see this film? It
1: was at the budget. Oh, it okay, that, that explains. That's a that's a dicey comment, Rick. Right? I think I'm going to have a call to the Huffington Post. I'm going to expose your podcast for the racist
0: establishment that it is. No, I was just trying to picture like that happening at anywhere other than the budget. If you go to the Palladium, <laughs> the, the budget is like uh, no holds barred. Yeah. Anything goes. Dick out if you
1: want. You won't get thrown out. (laughs) (laughs) You've tested this. I once saw Jersey Girl there once. (laughs) But anyways, Drag Me to Hell, I think, is just really an amazingly awesome and visceral, crowd-pleasing movie. Uh, Sam Raimi getting back to kind of his roots, which people were worried he wouldn't because it was PG-13, but I feel the movie is, he found more creative and disgusting ways to make the movie gross. It's a very, like, uh, gooey movie. Very sticky. There's a lot of liquids.
0: What, what are some other uh, synonyms? Uh, jizz-like. <laughs> I'm trying
1: to break the record for jizz being set in your about, podcast. I, was about to say, I
0: think by saying it once, <laughs> you, you broke it. But now, but now you're <laughs> trying to, like, set the world record for future I think future if you go back in your
1: podcast, you'll find that the um oh damn it what's their name oh this would have worked it would have been a good joke the uh the musicians for the movie the uh <laughs> i
0: know what you're talking about uh <laughs> you don't remember but, anything. <laughs> uh the the alley uh oh the alloy, orchestra. alloy or- the <laughs> orchestra the alley orchestra the alley orchestra on the podcast <laughs> But uh, that
1: would have been a good joke. Let's Ew. let's start it over. Where, where did we start with this joke? Uh, it was jizz, right? Right. If you listen to your podcast, you'll find that the Alloy Orchestra mentioned jizz twice. Oh boy! <laughs> A-oh! Yes. But Alison Loman is clearly playing a Bruce Campbell stand-in in that movie,
0: and doing it pretty- because they couldn't get Campbell for the role.
1: And I think she she toes a pretty uh, thin line between hating her and. Not hating, her, like uh, understanding her actions, and yeah. her becoming despicable. Let's Justin Long. I was is about awesome to say, let's man. cut to
0: the real MVP of the film in your eyes, the the man who you constantly talk about being <laughs> the shining star of the film, <laughs> Justin Long. <laughs> I liked him in the movie. Did I ever tell you about the when I saw Justin Long out in Hollywood? Did he live up to his name? He uh, about his dick. First time I saw the movie <laughs> Orgy waiting in line outside of the new beverly cinema who comes walking by walking his dog justin long and he says hello to everybody pretty good decent guy in my eyes <laughs> oh what kind of dog did he have it's a smaller dog i don't i don't know i'm one of those people i it's like dog breeds are like uh automobiles to me i don't recognize the maker model kind okay of
1: car do you think he drives
0: he got into a car which was parked <laughs> right there don't remember the maker model so he drove his car to the theater
1: to walk his dog. I I don't know. Do you think he maybe just wanted to be seen in public
0: by people so he could say hi to them? It could be. There were no paparazzi around, though. Next film on I Island. like Justin Long <laughs> for the record. I do, too. I have a, I, I have a shirt of his from when he was on the television series Ed. My parents went to. Uh... I
1: wouldn't go that far. I, I like Justin Long.
0: My, my, he just creeped me out though. My parents were at a uh, costume shop that sold
1: a costume shop <laughs> on the podcast <laughs> for the Alley Orchestra.
0: <laughs> they were, uh, yeah, not, not important. Next film <laughs> is Next Day Air. Which, Let's go back to this. They
1: were at a costume shop and they had Ed related merchandise. They
0: had uh, it was it was used wardrobe oh, stuff okay. from different movies. So it was
1: in like Hollywood that this store was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because they wouldn't just have. The <laughs> it, no, they were in uh, they, they were in <laughs> Sheboygan, Wisconsin. <laughs> Wisconsin. They have like they have the uh, they like ship it out because the, the chainsaw from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> is it's there. kind
0: of like Planet Hollywood, but you can buy it. <laughs>
1: Wahlberg's penis on the wall from Boogie Nights. <laughs> Which now, they not, have not, the <laughs> not the prosthetic. Not the prosthetic. Walbert comes to Planet Hollywood for a couple hours a day. And if you pay the extra money to sit at the table, his dick will be hanging literally
0: inches away from your plate of Veal Parmesan. <laughs> I didn't realize Veal Parmesan was back on the menu at Planet Hollywood. <laughs>
1: Stallone was pushing for it big time. <laughs>
0: Hey, I don't care if we're going bankrupt. <laughs> I don't care if we're going bankrupt. <laughs> Four field on the menu. Hey. Oh shit. <laughs> I just vomited. Your pocket. <laughs> You've set the record for the number of times the word jizz has been said. And now you become the first <laughs> guest to ever vomit in front of me. Oh. Uh, on the program. I've seen yeah. other guests vomit in front of me, but not on the show.
1: Didn't John Munson vomit after? Like, <laughs> immediately when you, you clicked stop, he's like, oh! Uh! I was holding that in, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh. so, so next day air. Next day air. Um, this is kind of similar... Not, man, my my fiance is a real bitch, you know. <laughs> Just laughing at my voice changes on the podcast. I'd I'd kind of place it in a similar column as Black Dynamite, which I didn't put on this list because I didn't see it until yesterday with you. Mm-hmm. Or else I would have put it on here, but they're kind of both working from that sort of black exploitation mold. Whereas Next Day Air isn't like being like a spoof or like trying to make itself look like it's from another decade so much like Black Dynamite. Yeah, is a pretty accurate recreation of the aesthetics of that period, but I think tonally, Next Day Air sticks to it. There's like very few sets that it's shot on. Um, <laughs> the budget clearly wasn't ostentatious, but it's like it's a good movie. The characters are good. The scenario builds to a, a pretty nice crescendo. It's got uh, Donald Faison from Scrubs. Most <laughs> stuff is advertised as being one of the main. Actors, but he's barely in it. But he's there. <laughs> um, the brother from Family Matters is in it. Eddie, or is that is that the brother? Is that his name? I I don't I don't know the actor's name either. But he's like the older brother in Family Matters. I thought his, I thought the
0: character name is Eddie. You could I... be right.
1: He's in it. You're like holy shit that that guy is alive because you assume that if the child actor is no longer acting in bit parts in movies, that they died of a drug overdose. It's safe to say, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm not... I'm not speaking out of line. There's a couple actors from The Wire, or one actor from The Wire in it. <laughs> but I, but, but I he's so the, good! <laughs> it's almost I, like... I haven't seen The Wire, so I can't vouch, but, like, I know almost everyone on Earth has and thinks it's amazing. So, I mean, that's another incentive to see the movie. It has a lot of really good actors yeah. who don't get a ton of work getting work and being pretty
0: damn good and uh, to round out this part one (laughs) this four hour podcast uh the film moon which made a little over five million dollars
1: directed by uh duncan jones david bowie's son sci-fi movie with sam rockwell who it's a like there's a couple oscar travesties in my book travesties you can write that on my grave 2010 oscar travesties tom
0: fuchs travis travesties <laughs> so that's I your review i'm trying
1: to think of something to do with travis Deaner there where i was like a really big travis Deaner fan
0: but why i wonder why his nickname never was travesty travesty oh my travis god travesty he's on fire this is a
1: travesties of justice <laughs> uh Sam Rockwell should have there's no reason he shouldn't have been nominated for best actor i mean i'm not, I can't without giving too much away his performance is amazing, and I would say uh like really, there's a degree of difficulty in his performance that you won't find in other movies and i I'd be kind of giving away the plot which I don't really want to do with moon. I mm-hmm. just know that uh gentleman is serving out his final couple. Days of service uh, mining on the moon, and he's about to go home to his wife and daughter, and he discovers something on the, the, uh, the moon that uh, complicates things pretty greatly. But it's pretty much just Rockwell doing all the acting in the movie. Kevin Spacey is the voice of the robot. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and this is a shitty thing to say, but Spacey hasn't been that good in a really long time, <laughs> except as voice of robot. Um, uh, so, there was a gap from K-Pax to <laughs> to Moon. Which, again, if you're going to take your dick out at the budget, K-Pax would have been one of the times to do it. The banana scene where he eats the banana. I haven't seen the film. Either have I, but I'm re- pretty sure he eats a banana in that movie. <laughs> well, hey, Tom... <laughs> do, do you know, it? was he an alien at the end of K-Pax? I thought that was... The, I don't know. It's hard to... Let's assume that he was, but Moon... I mean, I feel like we've gotten gotten far away, but Moon is a really amazing uh, sci-fi movie. It's uh, thoughtful in ways that most, like, movies classified as science fiction these days are usually like, Sam Worthington is alone on a space colony, and there's a virus, (laughs) and Dennis Quaid is there too, and there's little creepy children ghosts, and they have to shoot aliens with a gun. This is a little more thoughtful than that amazing synopsis. I think you could sell that. I think that was more or less the plot of Pandorum if you substitute Ben Foster for Sam Worthington. Alright, well every (laughs) week on the show we always ask for some recommendations.
0: So first of all, a film recommendation.
1: Film recommendation. Oh, Besides the 17 movies we've talked about just now. Well, what did we just watch? What have I just watched recently? Um, You know what I'm going to go ahead and recommend? I'm going to recommend Mr. Moto's Gamble starring Peter Lorre as the detective Mr. Moto because I can't think of anything else I've seen recently. Um, The Mr. Moto series features Peter Lorre doing inhuman acts of super strength. In the first movie, he bench presses a man and throws him off a cruise ship, murdering him. Uh, In this one, he flips some people over tables.
0: That's an inhuman. (laughs) I mean,
1: well, for Peter Lorre, he's a very small man. Like, this would be like, uh, you know, Tom Cruise kicks people's asses in his action movies, usually. But you don't usually see him, like, lifting someone, bench pressing them and throwing them. Off of a cruise ship. Yeah, there's not a lot of that in his movies. I mean, you'll see him fight with people on a cruise ship. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's Mission Impossible 4 is him like on a carnival line and they're going on like that fake rock wall. Mm, Lust for Life is playing. (laughs) Like they get in a fight over the last slice of uh, margarita pizza (laughs) and there's a bomb in the piece of tomato that's melted on the pizza. I I haven't
0: seen the treatment, so I'm not familiar. (laughs) And why? (laughs) No, uh, we also would like an album recommendation.
1: <laughs> album recommendation. We would. The people, we the people, would like an album recommendation. Um, I really like the album by Phoenix that came out last year, the uh, Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix. It's really, it's just really good pop music. I don't. I mean, I'm not really. Uh, I can talk a lot about movies, even if I'm completely bullshitting. Which you can tell.
0: I don't think you've seen a single one of the films <laughs> that we discussed today. I just saw
1: Avatar.
0: <laughs> so... What else came out last year? All right. <laughs> Let's see how much money that made. <laughs> well, I bet that it's better. <laughs> I'm going to go on Rick's show to prove it.
1: But, uh, like, uh, yeah, I can't really articulate myself with music, uh, but I like that album. I think it's really good pop music.
0: Well, Tom, uh look forward to hammering out part two of this. uh talk to you soon. I'll see you then,
1: pal. <laughs>